And uh, let's just pray, shall we, that God sort of speaks to us as we look at his word. Father, we want to thank you that we can be here. Thank you that you are here. And we want to be still. We want to be conscious of your presence. We want to be conscious of your glory. We want to be conscious of your power. So we just say, Lord Jesus, will you have your way in our lives? Will you open our eyes? Will you open our ears? And will you open our hearts to you? Amen. Amen. I don't know whether you have any favourites. I'm not thinking of people. I'm not thinking of sort of food. I'm thinking of people. Whether you have sort of certain favourite people. You shouldn't really in family, should you? So we've got four children. And I'm not saying we've got any favourites, but at times there have been children that we, we enjoy being with more than others. Does that make sense? And maybe you've got family or friends, and it's not that uh, you stop being friends with somebody when they're going through a difficult time, but it can be difficult sometimes being with them. And we'd far rather be with people when they're joyful and upbeat than when they're downbeat and going through difficult times. It doesn't mean that we run away from them. But if we're honest, we do have preferences, don't we? We do have sort of favourite times or favourite people. And this morning I want to talk about, it's a slightly different title to the one that's uh, been published. I want to talk about where God loves to be. Where God loves to be. And we're going to talk about his church. Because that's where God loves to be. With us, his people. And we're going to start off actually in the Old Testament. Sorry, I haven't got the, uh, uh, the, the page numbers for this in terms of the church Bible, but we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 33. Perhaps if somebody can look it up, I'm going to say a little bit and then you can uh, let me know what page number it is. But it must have been amazing being a Jew. There were so many amazing things that had happened to the Jewish people. They had, if you like, God's calling of Abraham and the covenant to Abraham. They had Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. There was Joseph going down into Egypt and all the amazing things that happened down there and how God provided for his people and how Joseph's family went down to Egypt and they were kept in the seven years of famine. And then we go on 400 years and uh, the children of Israel had multiplied and now the king of Pharaoh was scared and he made them slaves. And then we have the call of Moses, don't we? And Rob spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, and we have the plagues, don't we? And then we have the Exodus, and we've got the Passover, and then they have the Ten Commandments, and then they've got the Promised Land, and then they've got the Temple Worship, and all the time they've got the promise of the Messiah. If you had to sort of list, if you like, the best things about being a Jew, you'd be stuck. Because so many things had happened. It was an amazing story. Well, let me read Exodus chapter 33. Has somebody got the page number? 92, thanks very much. Let me read Exodus chapter 33, and I'm starting at verse 12. So this is a conversation that Moses was having with God. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said I know you by name, and you found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So if you presented Moses with a list of, if you like, the best things about being a Jew, is it about the Exodus? Is it about the Passover? Is it the Ten Commandments? Moses would actually say, it's none of those. The best thing about being God's people is God's presence. That's what he's saying, isn't he? And he says, if we don't have God's presence, we're nobodies. We're nothings. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So we're doing this series, Hosting the Presence, where we're thinking about God's presence. And there was Moses, thousands of years ago, saying, this is the, this is the most important thing about being your people, knowing who you are, God, knowing your presence, knowing your power, knowing your glory in terms of the the song that we've just sung. So I want to think about where God loves to be, and that's God loves to be with his church, with his people. It's not that God hasn't got time for everybody else. God, God can, in one sense, have his favourite places and still love everybody else just the same. We're limited, aren't we? If I have to give my time to somebody, it means that somebody else is excluded. So God wants to connect with each one of us, but his presence is also to be experienced in the collective identity of his people. So in the Old Testament, this was the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, this is the church. And we're just going to look at some of the ways in which God describes the church. When we read the New Testament, we often come, off, come across the word you. Okay? So it's, not, it's not a big word, is it? So... All the time, people like Paul are writing to uh, individuals or churches, and he words, uses the word you. When we hear the word you, most of the time we think of it as me. Yeah? So if somebody can talk, I, I can talk to you, and I'm, I'm talking to you as an individual. But I can also talk to you, can't I? That's kind of one of the not-so-good things about English. That when we have the word you, we don't always know whether somebody's referring to an individual or to a group of people. And we usually work it out by the context, don't we? So if I say, good morning to you, you don't think, oh, Dave's just talking to me. You know instantly that I'm talking to all of you. But if I go up to you and say, and I don't have to mention your name, but I say, how are you? The con- you don't need to say, look, oh, we're great, thank you. So we work it out from the context. But the trouble is often when we're reading the New Testament, we read it, if you like, thinking that God, it's all about us. And a lot of the time, God was writing to churches. And the word you refers to you rather than you. Okay? So let's have a look at some of the descriptions that God uses about his church, the people he loves, the people that he loves to be with. And I'm, they tend to be some individual verses, so if you want to find them, you can. I, I'm just going to sort of quote the verse and give you the, the passage. The first one is in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And Paul writes this to Timothy. So he is actually writing to an individual, we know that. He says, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of 
and foundation of the truth. And the first picture I want us to have about the church, about us, is that God thinks of it a bit like a household, or you might have the word family in your, in, in your translation. So God sees it, if you like, as a group of people living together, being together. Now, when Paul used that word household, um, it, could consist of, it could consist of so many people. It could consist of, if you like, the family itself. There could be a few additions to the family. So you might remember the times when most families would have sort of maybe a dotty aunt living with them or something, or, you know, kind of a granny living with them. Quite often now, we tend to just sort of be a little bit more uh, almost by ourselves, don't we? <laughs> but in past generations, it was quite common, wasn't it, to have uh, elderly relatives living with you? And you wouldn't have, you tend to have sort of family living around you as well, perhaps in the same village, in the same street, in the same town. Now we tend to be a little bit all over the place, don't we, which isn't quite so good. So when Paul was using the word household, he was thinking about a family group who were together. And that could, it could include extended family. It could include servants as well. And God says, you're, you're a bit like that. If you like, kind of a, an interesting group of people. <laughs> But if you like, you're all together and you have a special purpose. So that's the first picture, that he sees us a little bit like a family. And family can consist of people that you don't always get on with. It can consist of people that you have to work hard sometimes to have a good relationship with. But there's something that binds that family together. And that's how God sees us. The second one. Uh, is the idea, and it's in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 21 to 22, it says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul writes this, he says, In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So do you know God lives in each one of us individually? But there's also something special that God lives in us together. And when we're together, God is present in a special way that he can't always be when we're just by ourselves. I love being together with with other Christians because sometimes when I'm by myself, I can be a little bit discouraged. I can get a little bit down. And it's good sometimes to be with other people who can encourage me and who can help me. And who can strengthen me. This is what he writes to the Corinthian church. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Isn't that a lovely thought? Did you think of that when you came to church this morning? That we're coming together as God's temple and that God's spirit is dwelling amongst us. Not just in me, but he's dwelling amongst us. And actually amongst us, he can do more than he can just do in me. And we can experience him in different ways through different people and through the gifts and abilities that other people have. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and this is translated really well, it says you together are that, peop- are that temple. It must have been lovely, mustn't it, to have received those letters, to be, to be listening to them as a church, because although I read them as individuals, and you probably read them as an individual, they would have been read out to the church. Just imagine what it was like to sit, to sit at Corinth and to, and, and to be 
hearing that letter, you together are the temple. I think people must have been thrilled, mustn't they, when they heard those words. So that's the second picture we've had. We've got the picture of family or household, and then we've got the picture of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the next one, and there's quite a few references we could go for it, but I'm just going to pick one out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. Paul's been talking about the body. And it's that passage where he says, well, we're not all hands, we're not all ears, we're not all whatever. We're all important in the body. And then he finishes with this amazing statement. So he said, we're all part of the body. And then he says, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Can you imagine hearing that, sitting at Corinth, reading Paul's letter? We've got a letter from Paul. Let's read it together. So maybe the church leader stands up and reads it. It wasn't always full of good news, Paul's letter to the Corinth. So at times they, they would have been sitting there thinking, oh dear, some of the stuff we've done, Paul is really laying into us. At times they must have thought, we're not a very good church, we're not a very spiritual church. But to that church that's got so many problems, Paul, if you like, stops and says, look, now you are the body of Christ. He couldn't really give a higher accolade, could he? He couldn't say anything more precious than that. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So we've got the family, we've got the temple, we've got the body of Christ. There is one other image and I'm not going to talk about it, but we're we're described as the bride of Christ. But to a certain extent, that's almost for the future. So I'm just going to leave it there, leave it there hanging for a little bit. But uh, you see, all these images of family, of the temple, the body of Christ, they all speak of God's presence in different ways. God's presence, if you like, just within the family, in a very normal setting. But God's presence in a special way, if you like, in terms of a temple. And God's presence just in the way we live out our lives together as the body of Christ. You see, God places enormous worth and value on the church. It's where God loves to be. It's where God loves to be. It's what Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for, that he might have a church and ultimately a bride. And I guess my question to us this morning, is this how we see ourselves? So do we see church as something, if you like, that is is something special? Or do we just see it as a place that we go to on Sunday? Or a place that kind of, well, we've got to sort out this and we've got to do this and uh, you know, this, keep, this keeps going wrong and whatever. Or do we see church as God sees church? And I just think it's important that as we approach our vision day and we're thinking about church, that yes, there might be lots of things that we practically want to be thinking and praying about, But I think it's important that we just have this image of what church is. It's the place where God loves to be. It's the place in Scripture that he's used the most wonderful descriptions to talk about how he wants to be in the middle of his church. And for us to experience together, be still, for the presence of the Lord is moving in this place. Be still, for the glory of the Lord is present in this place. Be still. For the power of the Lord 
is moving in this place. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you that you love your church. Sometimes we can think we're a little bit insignificant. But thank you that you see us together as something that is very, very special. We want to thank you that we are your family, a mixture of people. But we thank you that you've placed us together. We want to thank you that together we are your temple, a special place in which your Holy Spirit can dwell when we come together. And we want to know more of you in that way. And we thank you too that you see us as the body of Christ. You are the head, Lord Jesus. Thank you that each, part, each one of us is part of that body. And we thank you that one day we will be your bride. And we will be with you forever. Amen.